We are live. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, to coming back to the Digital Green Book broadcast. If you're watching on LinkedIn, YouTube, or catching the replay on Spotify, thank you so much for tuning in. I am Alana Whitaker, one half of Digital Green Book. I go by Afro Butterfly, and I love all things tech, all things Web3, all things for the diaspora. There's so many amazing people I've met along my journey as I'm growing inside of this space. And I want to introduce you to a phenomenal young man. Keone Chong is so well-versed inside of this Web3 space. Newly minted in a CMO role and heavily vested in the educational space. I'm honored to bring him in front of my audience today. Thank you so much for being here today, Keone. Thank you. Well, I'm honored and I'm humbled to be here with you. You are a shining star in this space. And I'm just basking in your glow right now. So thank you for having me. So I, as we were chatting off screen, there's so many amazing things happening right now. Like I'm boarding a plane and less than 24 hours to go to Columbia for mm -hmm. ETH. And literally just tapping into the Ethereum ecosystem deeper. I mean, that's one of my largest crypto holdings. So I'm, I care deeply about what mm -hmm. happened. As you should. Right. And having met you at near protocol in portugal which is where you live currently and there's just so many amazing things happening and as i have these conversations with people in my immediate ecosystem that weren't exposed to tech and web3 i wasn't a few years ago i want to highlight people like yourself because we're not even aware that there's other things that we could be doing right now so that's why I really right. like to have these conversations. So if you could just tell the folks a little bit about what it is that you do now. Congratulations on your promotion. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Well, I am the CMO of a Web3 focused marketing and advertising agency called Zebu. Um, we are based in Europe and Africa. So we have locations in London, Lisbon and Cape Town. I am like less than two weeks into the role. Um, but swimming with the sharks and having fun. It's uh, its really fantastic to, uh, what I like to say, be building culture in Web3. Um, marketing and advertising as traditionally um, experience, especially as we know with Web2, um, is a fundamentally different experience in Web3. And right. uh, it's community first in these spaces. And regardless of what your business objectives may be, you know, as a startup, as a DAP, as a protocol, you know, as a token, um, as an NFT project, as a DAO, you are fundamentally building culture that is being imbued, like literally into blockchain protocols. And uh, to me, that's exciting. I think this is the future of identity. Um, I think this is a future of culture. Uh, I think that um, the potential of human experiences um, that have been designed are going to be happening in this new space. And so I'm excited to be at the forefront of a young, exciting company that is growing very quickly and uh, getting to dive into exciting projects. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. It's like, even though I'm getting to know people rapidly, it's it's inspiring to see people in instrumental places like for people who may not understand to be in a role as a chief marketing officer means you have creative license to really shape what sort of media is put out what sort of impressions are brought forth, especially 
having an ethnic background and being that voice for us to make sure we're represented well, mm-hmm. that's, that's priceless. It's priceless to be in that C-suite seat. And I do want to touch a bit about how you got into Web3. Like, this is just your latest endeavor, but how did you, what was your journey into this space? You know, that's, that's a funny question. If you want, technically, it started way back in, I think, 2014 with a Reddit post. I was a huge Redditor. I still am a Redditor, though not as avid and fervent as I used to be. Um, but it was a post about using Bitcoin to buy pizza. Um, now, I've been online since 92, 93. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm really blessed to have is a father that loves technology um, and has very stark opinions about technology. He is not a fan that I'm on the Apple bandwagon, but, you know, I'm like, Pop, I worked for them. You know, the, the technology is, um, the technology has driven a lot of culture and a lot of opportunity in the space. Um, whether you believe in open source or closed gardens, um, that's a different debate. And I'm on both sides of the fence. I can see both the pros and the cons. But we're not here to debate the merits of having open or closed systems in technology. Um, this is just my journey. So uh, I, you know, I'd been online. My father had made sure that we understood, like we were building computers. I would, particularly myself was building computers with my father as young as I was 12, 13, 14. Wow. And, you know, he made sure that we were online. Um, I'm blessed to grow up in an affluent household where, um, both of my parents are super educated. Education is a big thing in their space. And, um, you know, I had just always been online. So in like 2014, 15, um, I bought some Bitcoin in an attempt to buy pizza with it and never fulfilled the transaction. And I have in a hard drive somewhere, you know, a ridiculous amount of Bitcoin. Am I ever going to find it? Probably not. But that is you're my claiming true you're going to find it now. No, experience. no. Yes, let's put it out to the universe. Interrupted the broadcast. We will find this man's Bitcoin. <laughs> We're gonna find this hard drive. Yep. Um, if you were getting it from Bitcoin faucets, whatever the case may be. <laughs> yeah, claim we it. it in the universe. Claim it. Um, but that was my first, you know, interaction in crypto and you know, subsequently web three. Um, fast forward over the last five years, I've been consulting primarily in emerging markets. And um, one of my mentors in the space, uh, he was head of brand for Consensus. So I've sort of always been floating in the gravity of Web3, but never really dove into it heavily until the pandemic. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I started a web series with this buddy of mine, Jose Caballer, and uh, we called it The New Normal. And basically what we were doing is we were teaching creatives across the world throughout the diaspora. So through South America, through Africa, through Europe, um, Canada, um, Malaysia, uh, Philippines, you know, it was incredibly diverse community. And we were basically teaching them how to map their creative skills, talent and experience to business objectives, how to use design systems to be able to leverage your cultural creative in ways where you can actually build legitimate revenue Um, Mm. and as an opportunity for you to upskill, right? We're coming into an age, especially now with the advent of AI creative, 
where we're like, okay, well now what is the power of being able to craft the thing? Mm. The question was never the crafting of the thing. The question was why and to what end and what kind of impact that it can deliver. Right. So we started what I like to call a design church. We called it design therapy. And, uh, you know, we covered a lot of these topics. Uh, mm -hmm. The community at that point, and it ended up becoming a DAO, which you can check out now. It's called The System. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can find it at We Are The System, no E. Uh, but basically, uh, we started just this education for our community in an ongoing way. Um, we started with leveraging real clients with real projects. And we ran this, this experiment called Circles where we allowed for creatives to come in at whatever stage you were and to contribute to a real project. Uh, that went really well. There were some bumps and bruises. Not everybody got what they wanted out of it, um, but that led me to create what I called the Accelerator. So this was a program where I taught creative strategy for branding or product development or marketing or advertising campaigns. Um, then we went through uh, the actual process of doing the storytelling behind it. Mm -hmm. And we use that storytelling process to align the creative. So mm -hmm. what is happening in your life that is most important? What is your fundamental why? What is the thing that drives you every day to get up and to build or create or to code or design to market, right? We Those each have our own. Existential, existential questions. Well, they are, right? And I think a big part of it with the pandemic was all of a sudden we now have like real attributed understanding behind our human value. So the work that we were doing, were we really getting compensated in ways that were significant for us, right? The people who we were working with, did we really want to tie our careers to these institutions? Hmm. The impact oh. of the work that we're doing right? Do we want the impact of our work to have some sort of meaningfulness in a way that goes beyond just the work and the compensation? When I say I've met a lot of people in my lifetime, that's just the side effect of being a nurse, but such a rare, beautiful skill I've met a ton of intelligent people as well, but colloquially intelligent people. The the skill that I'm finding that I appreciate the most as I grow as an individual is emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. EQ trumps any amount of other intelligence to me. I artistic intelligence, scholastic intelligence, like emotional intelligence is top tier. And you have that in spades. And it's refreshing and beautiful. And you're very poetic in the way that you put together your parts of speech. And you can convey yourself very intently. And I'm assuming that is very much why you have your current role. <laughs> but everything you're saying right now is echoing inside of me because as I'm growing in my own personal journey inside of Web3 and I'm connecting to DAOs, and talking to creatives, talking to founders, talking to angels, talking to VCs, talk. I'm I'm just in a very conversational state right now. I want to converse with as many people 
as possible and get their perspectives on things because everything that you just said are literally the the questions that are shaping where I feel my impact is going to be. Having people pause enough to ask these questions, I'm literally halfway through start with why. Okay, we're going to talk about that because he's a big part of that journey. <laughs> that and to have to be to even think back to that state where no one knew what was going down in the pan pizza panoramic pan situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're asking existential questions and getting to the root of it. I mean, this is why Web3 is important to me. Is it another version of technology? Yes, technology will always be important. Technology mm-hmm. makes life easier. But to be able to connect why ownership is important to something like leaving your cultural footprint and your existential purpose. Oh my God. Okay, man. We have so, church. We're going to talk about Simon Sinek because that is the man. Um, hmm. Start with why is super important. Um, the hero jury and Joseph Campbell, super hmm. important as well. Um, and to me, it was Simon Sinek that actually started me on this journey. Um, so many of the creatives that I was working with, I was fascinated by their stories. I was fascinated by their talents, um, the kind of impact that they were able to deliver through their art um, and how many of them had delivered just powerful creative for, for brands, for institutions. Yes. But they were still feeling um, empty. They were feeling unsatisfied. There wasn't fulfillment in those things. Uh, Steven Sinek was someone that I'd followed for years. Um, and he's a big part of why I started, you know, when I started the accelerator program, I actually start off with you, right? Like, I want to know what your why is. What is that quintessential curiosity that drives you to engage, to explore, to, to, to deepen your knowledge? You know, like why, why, and where does that come from? That's key. Um, but then the next thing that I truly needed to have clarity on, and especially for a lot of these folks that I'm mentoring were, well, Mm. how does your journey bring you to this point where you can make more conscious decisions, right? Your past informs your future. Yes. So in Joseph Campbell's, you know, the hero's journey, you know, what was remarkable to me was from just like a, you know, I come from hard sciences. So I went to school at Caltech. Um, I went to school at Cal Poly Pomona. I studied mechanical engineering. I studied aerospace engineering. Um, you know, like I, that was my thing. Uh, and so like the hard sciences are super important. And for you to get from point A to point B, it's not just, you know, traveling in between these points. It, there's a trajectory. And you have to understand how to give yourself enough motivation and energy and, you know, which is purpose to get you through that, you know, through that initial state of getting through gravity and all the things that are going to hold you back. You're going to have people that are going to tell you that you're not good enough. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have institutions that are going to say you're not good enough. You're going to have society, right? Like I have this theory that the very first marketing campaign in existence that is still ongoing is that, that is that the black male Hmm. is dangerous and not good enough. 
Oh my God. And as a result, the black diaspora as whole, the African diaspora, right, is not uh, is not as influential, powerful, creative, financially, you know, uh, uh, developed. Like we can go down the list, and we always have to bring examples to counter these points. Like, why do we even have to counter these points? Why are these even questions? Right? This is and this is just a general marketing question, right? And this is, again, this is something that came from my experience in America, like being American, mm -hmm. being American, but not of America, mm -hmm. you know, like one of the things that was a big experience in my, my, my upbringing was we weren't allowed just to have access to media willy nilly. Like we watched TV on Sundays, which was opera and 60 Minutes. And then I would sneak with my dad, me and my dad would sneak and we'd watch like the Benny Hill show and then Star Trek, right? <laughs> so for me, like the earliest images that I've seen is like Lieutenant Aurora is a sci-fi character. Yes. Right. Or the movies that my dad would bring home, which would be crazy animes like Ghost in the Shell. Let's go right? Ghost in the Shell. Oh, look, Ghost in, my, Ghost in the Shell is my quintessential. Like, there are films that I watch every year. Hmm. Ghost in the Shell is one of those films that I watch two or three times a year. What about because Aeon Flux? The themes, yeah, Aeon Flux is cool, but it doesn't <laughs> have the, the questions around identity Fair. and culture and, hmm. you know, the, the imposing nation-state bureaucracy that we deal with that we see growing around us the questions of the metaverse and how it renders around our human experiences and what and how our experiences we evolve to meet you know this new technology hmm. like ghost in the shell asks that quintessential question and does it in a, in a way that is still relevant which is wild right like half of my you know my racing backpack you know has the 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 you know the what is it the not the infinite the not the infinite 11 is it the infinite 11 i can't remember the group but again right incredible stuff and yo i think i just lost you wow so i think i'm still here it looks I'm still like here i'm live Yes. And we back, baby. And we back. I hit it was the no thing. button. Okay. So, um, and and I don't want to get away from, you know, the question, which was, you know, like, how did I get into Web3? Because um, yes. we're kind of on a tangent. But so back to the story. Mm. I ran the accelerator program and we're teaching design systems and how to level up as creatives. And after we went through there was three sessions, right? There's mm -hmm. your story, there's like creative development, there's project management. And then I said, well, what do you guys want to learn next? Hmm. And the answer was, we want to learn Web3. We want to learn hmm. NFTs. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, NFTs are a big thing. This was a year ago now. Yes. Um, a little over a year ago. And I'm, I'm fascinated with technology always. And I'm like, you know what? This has been something that I haven't really taken the time to dive into. I get crypto, but I wasn't really investing in crypto. 
not mm-hmm. on an intellectual context. So I dived into NFTs. So I spent about a month and a half every day, six, seven hours looking at NFT projects, looking at the foundation of NFT projects, looking at successful NFT projects, looking at NFT rugs, looking at how people are creating them, looking at the different kinds of ways people are creating them, looking at Mm. the different applications of them. Mm. And I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm. This is, this is all just a natural evolution of culture and the ability for culture to be indexed on the blockchain. Mm. So I get crypto and didn't really dive into crypto, but I got it. But NFTs made sense because I'm fascinated with media. I'm fascinated with culture and cultural artifacts. And I'm Mm. sitting here like, holy crap, like this is digital cultural artifacts that now can quite literally exist forever. Mm. And the value of them can be indexed around the cultural meaningfulness. Yes. This is kind of crazy. So I started what is the, called the NFT lab, and I started doing education around this space. Yes. Now, I don't know if it's because I like to talk about things from a cultural context, mm-hmm. but we started getting a lot of executives reaching out to us. So gaming mm. CEOs or gaming marketers, other agency operators, right? Other CMOs, ex-CMOs. Folks that are in that space of crafting creative from a professional standpoint or crafting digital experiences, and Mm -hmm. they're looking at, like, well, what does it mean to have an NFT? Like, Mm -hmm. what does it mean? Not like I own this piece of art. Like, we get that first layer. Yes. There is a financial layer. There is a cultural layer. Was it odd to you? That this is something that you start out as very niche and pocket-like, like you're training this intensive group of individuals. And now corporations, on the flip side, almost in a, a very Drake-like move, they're coming to find the wave and tap in. Did you have that fear of them biting your style or did you purely see it as an opportunity for education? You know... That's funny that you bring this up. So I have been in the content making business since 2005. Mm. My brother started a website called Nerd with Swag, one of the earliest folks to be on WordPress. Let's go. Um, I partnered with him and I supported him in that role. And I came in as editor in chief and we started crafting content. Initially, it was purely around technology. We were fascinated with cellular technology we're fascinated with mm. i'm fascinated with cars and vehicles you know engineering hello you know i've built motorcycles and cars and the whole nine so it began to be this really interesting intersection of culture and technology and art mm. uh you know in that process i had always found like a healthy fascination with talking about like why we thought these things were significant, like voicing our opinions. And very early on, we started dealing with a lot of haters. I mean, people from my city had literally created websites to take pictures of me out partying and stuff to make fun of because 
they couldn't understand what we were talking about and just thought that we were out like some random folks. So I'm used to the hate. Um, large websites, the Boy Genius Report, used to steal content from us and repurpose it, right? Uh, the difference was I saw journalism in a way as a rat race. I didn't see it as at any point the, the end all of my career. And I wanted to learn how to craft brands and build brands that mm. leverage technology and culture. So, mm. you know, I, we, I'm accustomed to it, right? And those that are following, those that are copycatting, they're always going to copycat. But for me, there is a cultural, you know, inspiration for me to do this. There is technical heritage. You know, I look back on my father and his fascination with tech, like to this day, my dad is still fascinated with technology. Mm. Not so much media, um, music, like all of these things have are my cultural inspiration and my identity. So mm -hmm. I will always be evolving and innovating and you are more than welcome to copy, but I got the formula, mm. right? I, I'm the template. The template is my identity. So for as much as you may want to copycat or whatever, take my ideas, have at it. I don't That's, mind. It's wild because it's when I've spoke, I've spoken to some powerhouses inside of this space just because I'm fascinated with the process of I love etiology. I'm very much an Alton Brown type girl. Like, show me why they're called pop-ups and the origin of the recipe. Show me, show me who invented Bitcoin. Show me how it was made, why it was like etiology is very important to me. So I love talking to the source because it's like not to like devalue people that take inspiration and make it into their own and things of that mm -hmm. nature but it's the purity of that like this is the original swag like you can't this isn't something to be taken lightly either and i think that's why so many of us are pouring into this space this web3 space because we see an opportunity to finally put mm -hmm. our original imprint and have it memorialized in the blockchain. Like there's no question of where it came from. Like that's such mm -hmm. a powerful, almost vindicating, addictive, necessary feature of this technology. Cause we look back in history and growing up, they always used to point out George Washington Carver and peanuts and, you hear the rumors about, oh, well, we invented a traffic light and we invented, mm -hmm. but there's documentation's been destroyed over time. Noses have been broken off of sphinxes, the libraries mm -hmm. have been buried in the desert. But it's in our dreams, in our blood, and in, in our living relatives that we can tangibly touch. It's undeniable. So intersecting this with memorialization something like an NFT where there is a one of one. There may be others in a, a serial line of them, but it's a one of one non-fungible. It cannot be broken down. So, so to that point, you know, one of the things that I thought was ultimately fascinating is attributed human value. This is what the blockchain provides for. Hmm. It allows for 
an individual to express themselves and leverage the technology in new and uncanny ways. Like we are still, we are still at the periphery of what true, uh, true NFT tokenized DAO oriented experiences are going to be. We're going to look back in five years and be like, oh yeah, it was so obvious that we'd end up here. No, it's not obvious that we're going to end up here. And so um, to me, that was fascinating. Here's the other fascinating thing is mm. I have always believed that our community, particularly the African diaspora, uh, is uniquely suited to craft and leverage culture in a technological space. We Why specifically it. tech? Why tech? Tech is a magnifier, right? Yes. The challenge that we've had is that we couldn't own the platforms, right? If you look at TikTok and you look at all of the trending, all of the trending content. Yes. What is it? It's mimics African of our dance. culture. Yeah. Exactly. Period. Exactly. <laughs> But here's the thing, we don't own the platform. But what happens when the platform is coded to provide your attributed value? It's a different game. So whoever creates Lens is very interesting. Whoever creates the social platform that allows for creation in this space and that creation to be indexed on the blockchain to validate ownership you are now able to see the impact of culture really disseminate through the world. We are built for this. We are built for blockchain, right? Ooh. And we and I've got some really controversial stuff that I probably won't go into on air, but we can definitely talk about it. Yeah. But you know, if you want to talk about real craziness, like crazy thought, Africans are the first blockchain. How did Period. we share our? How did we share our culture? We told stories in a linear fashion through the generations. One person, Agriot, told a community that community logged that block in their mind. That was how we learned, and then they took that block and then they added on that block, mm. and then it got passed down to the next generation. Like even the 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 functionality of this technology is uniquely aligned with the way that we have built, that we have shared, that we have evolved, the way that we have innovated culturally. So when I think about the power of blockchain, I think that African culture, right? The African diaspora is fundamentally uniquely qualified to leverage this space in a fantastic way. Yes. Now, there's not, I'm not a hater. This doesn't preclude anybody else, right? But what I'm saying is just in the manner in which we live and breathe and express ourselves, the blockchain is uniquely suited for us. You say it so poetically. I mean, you say it with um, a lot less um, vertebrae than I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like I had 10 million thoughts spring into my mind like first like that's one thing that i say all the time to my father i'm in awe of my father he's been through so many things but his spirit is so bright and he's an orator 
Like, I think that is a unique spiritual gift passed down in our lineage, period. Um, there's a book. I don't know if you, you may have, you are very well read. Um, there's a book by Credo Mutua called Indaba, My Child. And it mm. is literally wow. a cultural history of our ability to storytell and the origins of religion on the African continent, pre-colonialism. That thing is thick, but it reads like an adventure novel. So if you have not, in fact, I'll pull that up while we're still chatting. That's I need that link in my DMs, please. Because yeah. now I'm out here in Portugal and now I've got to build a new library. Yeah, and Daba My Child was a book that changed my life. And I had to go back and read it a couple of times. I went to I went to South Africa in 2018. And I lived there for a month. And this was a book that one of the young ladies who worked in a local bookstore, she's like, if you don't leave with nothing else, you're gonna leave mm. with this. You're gonna leave mm. with this. Do you remember there was um Happily Ever After on HBO? I remember that show. Very I never much, watched it, but I remembered it. It's very much like that. It would it would take folklore, but tell it from our perspective, and mm. it showed how a lot of the origins of things. It it's a phenomenal book. And getting back to that, like I love that you say it's where the original blockchain. Because I mean, there's been talks of the Eve gene. There's been talks, you know, things like that. And when you really look at DNA, it's like blockchain technology anyway. I mean, all things that are man-made are just echoes of things that already are in existence, right? So transitioning this thought into DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. So far, we've covered the fact that with marketing, you have a unique ability, opportunity to portray us in a very particular way, in a way that we are increasingly getting the chance to do, but haven't really had the full opportunity to do, to put our image in the, the media and the public in a, a reflective, non-monolithic light. And then just talked about journeys in the Web3 and the fact that this technology without question is something everybody needs to understand. Even if they don't want to get involved, there's no way they're not going to. But yeah. you have to understand even on a fifth grader level, what it is. And then we're transitioning into why it's important that we need to offer opportunities for people to upskill and get into these spaces. Because if they don't ever get that chance, we get left behind again. But now Mm -hmm. communities that are allowing the chances for those opportunities, anyone listening, anyone watching, one of the first places you can look is a DAO. So can you touch a bit on your adventures and your journeys with DAOs and why they're important? Decentralized autonomous organizations are important because they bring together a new structure of human collaboration Mm -hmm. and co-creation. So if we look at the 20th century, the relationships that exist exist in transactional ways for the most part. You go to school so that you can become a worker in a capitalistic system. In a DAO, you generally align behind values, behind a shared vision, and you stay in this space because you generally like the people that you're with. 
as opposed to you trying to get something out of it. Now, in these spaces, you are starting to see organization happen in remarkable ways that allow for these new kinds of communities to, to grow, to, to share, to upskill, to explore, to innovate. Yeah. Um, some of the communities that I think are really interesting out there are like Radar.xyz. They're doing a lot of cultural innovation and reporting water and music which is doing a lot of research behind what the future of music is for creatives. Um, there are some incredible, just like creator communities that are out there. Um, mm. Color circles, color or color circles, I think is one of those DAOs. Mm. Um, bankless is a big one for me. Mm. Uh, the bankless community, which I was invited to by um, some graduates of, of the accelerator, right? So the student and the teacher both teaching each other. Um, mm. They invited me into Bankless to come and explore Bankless, which is fantastic. I'd already been a fan of the podcast, but to see a community 25 plus thousand strong of folks that believe in this future, that we can live in a world where we can own our own wealth from a sovereign perspective um is fascinating and then to see how that can align in even smaller subcultures bankless africa is an incredible community yeah. um i ended up being in bankless consulting so what is a consulting agency that is a truly web3 native community how can they provide services and the challenges behind that there are organizational challenges, philosophical challenges, right? Mm. Do we serve clients that are just in Web 2 or do we wholly serve clients that are in Web 3? Mm. How do we interface with the legal responsibilities of providing service and receiving compensation, mm -hmm. right? So this space is super early and very nascent. Uh, we haven't figured out all the answers and we didn't have the answers there we we don't have the answers but we are actively exploring them hmm. you know i have uh i have this belief and i say this phrase all the time you're welcome to use this in web3 there are no experts just experimentalists Facts. Hmm. the the value that someone has is in how many different projects have you explored what is the hmm. breadth of projects that you've explored. Hmm. You can talk to someone that has a great NFT collection and be like, oh, well, are you the model for excellence? Hmm. Oh, well, you're not because you hit the lottery and you're sitting here telling everyone, here's how I hit this lottery number. That is not a guarantee of success. And because we are so early, the opportunity for someone to enter into this space, to build a career in this space is very, very high. Yes. So I am excited for the young up and comers. Mm -hmm. There is a young NFT artist, Maya Parker. I am a mm -hmm. fan of, she is I think 15. She started mm -hmm. her own podcast. She wants her NFT projects. She's growing her Twitter following. I'm looking at her and I'm like, girl, go. And she, I am 
like I wish that I could buy, you know, I wish she was fractionalized as a token and I could just buy a part of her because she is a rising star and I am fascinated, fascinated, utterly fascinated at her journey in the space. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, you are doing it better than 70% of dudes with MBAs that I know that are trying to come up in this space and talk about what they know and they worked at Deloitte and blah, da, 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 da. The hmm. game is different, right? In this space, it is facilitation, not prescription. Mm. You can't enter into this space and be like, I know what is going to make you successful. You do this, that, and the other, right? Mm. And I come from a marketing and advertising world. So in this space, you can be like, yeah, look at this Harvard Business Review. Look at this case study from Wyden and Kennedy, right? Look at all of this stuff that they did. Well, guess what? The game is different. The way that people interact with media is completely different. Yes. Right. The cultures and values come first. The community comes first. If your efforts aren't fundamentally a community or culture building exercise, you are setting yourself up for disaster. Right. Mm. And so now organizations can't come in with purely capitalistic values and say, this is what I want. It was early enough for the big show. But guess what? We are in a bear market now. Mm-hmm. So now when you enter into this thing, I want to know what your roadmap is. What are your milestones for value for your community? What is yeah. the vision of your protocol? How is this thing going to be, you know, at the le- at the most a public good, at the least a community good? Mm-hmm. Right? These are the questions now that matter. At the least a community good. Wow. Wow. You the <laughs> Why DAOs are so fascinating to me is when they were first mentioned to me roughly two years ago, and I'm understanding that people are still upskilling themselves on how to gather them. I've been in many a Discord, a Telegram chat, uh, as people try to congregate like-minded individuals who believe in the future of something fundamentally larger than themselves, something very utilitarian. And then they try to, they're like, okay, well, we're here now. Let's figure out the tech on the backside. Okay, we're talking about blockchain technology. Which protocol are we going to build on? Which one do we rep? Do we rep one? Do <laughs> Like there's so many questions around that. But then what I love about DAOs in particular is it gets back to the original spirit of democracy. Everyone has a say. Everyone has value. And everyone's thought pattern that's involved should be for the greater good for the most amount of people involved. And having grown up in a capitalistic society, but having a democratic heart, it, Mm -hmm. it, it, there was always this warring state because you're like, I need capital to live, but what about the people? Give the money away. Like, and, but now with DAOs, a lot of people are coming together with that shared purpose of bettering something whatever their Dao mm-hmm. believes in it's so beautiful because i'm like i don't even care ne- necessary well to an extent i don't care what you're mobilizing for the fact that you can all come together and have a consensus and make a decision together um a few of the DAOs that i've interacted with recently um there's disruptor dow um mm-hmm. blue dow um, total tribe, like there's a lot of heavy women centric mm-hmm. DAOs out here that colors, really, 
was the one oh. that I was thinking about. Colors, I think it's colors.xyz. Colors. And they're a creative community. Yep. Want it? Uh, There's what? another what? one, Adimba. I'm sorry, I'm. They're just hitting me right now. Please don't, um, don't. Yeah, but please go ahead. No, don't, don't, don't. But no, just to see all of that beauty wrapped up into something that's physically playing out. And me seeing these DAOs getting people to these conferences, educating them, upskilling them, teaching them data languages, teaching them that, yes, what you want to learn, know and do is important and it matters. Like, I'm blown away and the, the potential is limitless. And so we have about two minutes left because I have another interview at 1 p.m. But I want you to tell me what it is that you're doing and where can people find you and what they're looking into. Huh. To own in the theater. Go ahead, Fred. Mm -hmm. um, so currently right now I have a CMO role at Zebu, uh, ZebuDigital.com, if you guys are interested. Mm -hmm. um, my higher overarching goal is what are the design systems around culture, right? How does How are you culturally storytelling? How are you telling products through culture? How are you building brand by culture, right? How are you expressing brand by culture? These are the things that I'm utterly fascinated with and the things that I talk about. So that's very high level. Um, you can catch me at Keone Chong everywhere. Um, I'm happy to engage and to have these conversations. I'm happy to support, you know, if you're a creative, if you're an institution, if you're a DAO, um, you know, I have these conversations all the time and, and I'm happy to have them with you. Um, but yeah, that, that's ultimately what fascinates me and what drives my curiosity and the thing that I think keeps me looking young and vibrant. Come on, starting with your why. Yes, <laughs> yes. Counting you, you've been a, a true pleasure and I definitely invite you back to come and converse with me because we gonna need a full eight hours to really go through some of the thoughts I've had. <laughs> like the potential is limitless. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just now even wrapping my head around the scope of marketing, but we have to imprint ourselves in this blockchain period. Like I want Indeed. my full consciousness loaded up in this. <laughs> Let me watch my language. I want to mm -hmm. make sure <laughs> we are fully represented out here. Like this is yeah. beautiful, man. And you're beautiful. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for stopping by. No, thank you. You're beautiful. And I'm grateful. And I would love to come back here. So let's figure out another time and we're going to keep this conversation going. Yes, sir. Yes. But thank you so much, everyone, for watching. Catch the replay. Mm -hmm. Take care, y'all. Peace.